I'm curious this morning, what was it for you, if you remember years and years ago, what was it that your parents made you eat, made you do, whatever it was that they said, it's good for you and you'll do it, but you weren't so sure about it at first. Anybody got one that, that's like that? Yeah, Michael? Whatever. Whip. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you grew up. Whip. Don't have to do that. Yes. Waking up before noon. It's tough. I mean, you know, I, I listen. I get it. Yes. I'm not sure what purpose you want to start. It's okay. Some folks like it. Tough. Anybody else? What was it? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Eat it all. You can fat along the way. It's good for you. All right. My parents made me eat green vegetables and different things like that. I'm around to eat cooked spinach, which still to this day just I'm just not sure I can handle it. Now raw spinach, I can do it. Boy, the cooked stuff. I know some of you like green. I'm a city boy. I, that just doesn't even sound right. Just doesn't even sound right. It's not at all. It sounds right. It smell right. It tastes right. Oh goodness! Listen, there are things that your folks. Maybe you do, or suggested firmly that you do, that you ingest, that you participate in, that you wake up at a certain time, and all of that. And you know, when you're going through it at the time, of course, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's any point to it. But it's interesting that now that you maybe are a little bit older, some of those things that you think of, except for the liver and onions, some of those things, you appreciate that your folks made you do that. You know, they taught you the importance of maybe building your immune system through what you eat, through the vitamins you take. They taught you the importance of getting good rest and taking care of things. And now, maybe you just a little more as you get older. Now you know how important those things are. It's interesting to see that happen. We're in a series called Home, and we'll finish it next week on Father's Day. But the, the inspiration, I guess, behind some of the things that we're looking at was a survey that I saw that indicated some of the major issues people say they deal with in the home. And some of those things were things like busyness and finances, not getting along, discipline, those kinds of things. And we've covered a lot of that already. One of the things that inevitably shows up on any kind of survey about what people deal with at home are the negative influences that face the family. And most of the time, I would assume that comes from the parents who are concerned about the influences on their children. And so parents always indicate, you know, one of the major issues we're dealing with is the constant barrage of negative influences. But as I've talked about through this series, there's always something behind the symptom. You know, you could say, well, you know, my, my kids are, are running with the wrong crowd. They're, they're into some things that they don't need to be into. They're, they're doing some things I, I really wish that they wouldn't do. But the truth is, it's not the negative influence that necessarily caused them to do those things. You think back to the decisions that you made when you were a much younger person, if you now consider yourself a little older than a much younger person. Think about the decisions that you made back then. Odds are you tried to blame the negative influence. You tried to blame everybody else, but you look yourself squarely in the mirror and you realize, you know what? I made that decision. 
What I hope today to look at is how can we deal with what's the solution? What's the answer to the negative influences that seem to be a constant onslaught? And so I hope this morning that if you are the parent of children who may be still living in your home that you have direct influence over, I hope that you'll take some notes this morning. Based upon what God is going to reveal to us in the Scripture, I hope that you'll jot some things down. You say, well, you know, I'm not raising children. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm past that stage or that's just not what my life is about. But I hope that you will understand, even if that's not you and you're not passing this along to someone else, I hope maybe today you'll understand how is it that I can make sure that my life is not negatively influenced by the ungodly things of this world. We all know that the issues that negative influences present, we see them all the time. You know, just go to the mall. Just turn on the television. Just go to a school. Just listen to people talk. You'll see them everywhere. We all know the danger they present to our families. There's no question about it. Certainly we know that the media and all of that that goes with it is not there to help us become more godly people. You realize that, don't you? Even on the so-called channels that maybe the family channels, they don't care. Listen, I, I, I'm going to reveal something to you very important. They don't care about your family. You know what they care about, of course, right? Their own pocketbook. Just understand that. And so if we as families, as people, as individuals, turn ourselves over to those things, expecting that they are going to help us, then all we're going to do is give them more money after more money after more money and sink further away from where God wants us to be. Now I'm convinced this morning, looking out at this crowd, that most folks here want their families, they want their lives to be what God wants them to be. I think that's, that's fair to say. We want to do what's right in God's eyes. Most of us would say that, or else you probably wouldn't be here this morning. There's something in you that says, you know what, I want to be where God wants me to be. We want our kids and our grandkids to avoid the things that lead them away from a godly life. But how can we do that? How can you remain godly when there are so many negative and ungodly influences around you? Proverbs chapter 4 is going to give us some really good instruction on that this morning. And if you want to, I'd encourage you to turn to the Scripture, get it on your smartphone or your tablet, somehow access it. The little handout in, inside your bulletin is there. It's got the whole chapter written on it. There's a little bit of space to the right there where you can take some notes as you go through. And some guidance here for how is it that we can, how can we help ourselves when it comes to these negative influences? What's the best way to remain godly when there are so many ungodly influences around us? Now, some of us would say, well, look, I don't, I don't, you know, we can read the Scripture today, and that's good, but I can just tell you, look, you just need to avoid them at all costs. I mean, if you don't want to be influenced by these things, you just need to avoid them. I mean, just remove yourself from any chance that you're going to see, hear, or experience something that could rub off on you in a negative way. Just avoid it. Now, I, was, I was a kid in the 80s, and I was a teenager in the 90s. And so there's, there's some things about my childhood that were happening during that time. You know, during the 80s was, was the hair bands. You know, all, all of the, the 80s rock music was going on during that time. MTV takes off and ESPN and all of these different shows and whatever. Then during the 90s, you, you have, unfortunately, you have the boy bands and all of these things that, that are coming out. You know, you have all of that. All kinds of new media influences going on during that time. You know how much of that that I was allowed to experience? Not much. Now some would say, well, you're a boy, here you go. You're, my, your parents aren't here, so you can talk about it. Mom listens to every sermon 
online, so I know she's going to hear this one too, alright? My parents were very intentional. Very intentional about ensuring that I did not encounter any more negative influences than were absolutely just necessary to life, if you understand. And so, we didn't listen to that kind of music. We didn't watch those kinds of shows. We, we didn't go to those kinds of places. We didn't see those movies at the theater. If you understand what I mean, we did not expose ourselves to those things. Now, some would say, maybe some here, I, I doubt very many, some would say, oh, well, you know, your parents were just way too protective. I mean, they, you know, at some point, life is going to get tough, and then how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do when you're exposed to all this? You won't have the first clue as to how to deal with the world. I'm nearly 38 years old and been dealing with the world for a long time. I had the privilege or the misfortune to go to four different elementary schools and three different middle schools and the biggest high school in Louisville, Kentucky. I was exposed constantly. I played baseball with lots of guys who didn't know the Lord and they talked as if they didn't know the Lord, if you understand what I mean. They did things that exposed the fact they didn't really know the Lord. I was exposed to lots of different things. But i tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that my parents were very intentional. That they cared enough for me to know what, at an early age, I needed. Because the truth is, as we'll get to this in just a few more minutes, they didn't just remove me from everything. It wasn't as if they put me in a bubble and said, oh, please don't ever look at these things, don't ever hear these things, don't ever go to these places because they will corrupt you and you'll die. That wasn't the message. The message was, these things are not what you need to receive and implant in your heart as a child of God. And instead, what they replaced all that stuff with were the things of God. And when I was exposed to all of the things of the world, guess what? I wasn't perfect. A couple old ladies in my church would tell you I was perfect, but I was not perfect. I love those old ladies. I paid them for years to say that. I, I wasn't perfect. But what was in my heart having been instructed and disciplined and discipled by my parents, was enough. It was enough. And I don't say that as any kind of, well, look at me. No, no, no. I'm grateful. This morning as we look at the Scripture, some would say, well, you just need to avoid all of that stuff. And I'll be honest with you. I think the Scripture backs up that there is something to be said about avoiding negative and ungodly influences. If that's what you're trying to do as a parent, as a grandparent, as a person in the church, as someone of influence, then the Scripture backs it up. Look with me real quick at verses 14 and 15 in chapter 4 of Proverbs. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked. This is what you might call negative instruction. Don't do this. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't proceed in the way of the evil ones. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass by it. Do you hear the passion? Don't don't go there. Parents, you've pleaded with your children, don't do those things. Don't give yourself over to that. Don't Don't even look at that. Don't associate with those things. You've pleaded with them, and that's the instruction here. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Avoid it at all costs. The truth is that Unfortunately, some hear those kinds of instructions and assume that that's all that Christianity is about. Don't do this. Don't do that. Make sure that you don't go there. You you have a list of rules and things you must avoid. Don't do this. Don't do that. For some, it's cold. It's boring. 
No fun, just full of rules. And I guess there are some rules in the Bible, if you will. You read the Old Testament, you'll see lots of rules for the Israelite people back in their ancient times. And, and maybe you think, well, it's just a, a list of things I'm not supposed to do. You know, if I do those things, I guess God will kill me, and so okay, I'll try not to do those things. Or at least He'll ruin my life because I stepped out of line. Here, here's what I believe. I believe people that look at Christianity and look at the Bible and all they see is a list of rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. You better do this or else. In most of those cases, they either haven't read the Scripture or they've never met the one who wrote it. Because the truth is, they don't really know what they're talking about. The Bible contains some guidelines and some very particular instruction. But if you consider the context of what I just read to you, if you consider that there's a father who's deeply concerned about his son, who wants his son to experience true life as God provides it, and he's pleading with his son, listen, you've got to listen. This is so important. Don't go down this path. Not because you're going to disappoint me because that's not the life that God has given you. Don't go down that path. Don't set foot on it. He says, my son. It's a very loving, caring, compassionate, heartfelt plea. It's not condescending. It's not oppressive. It's not cold. It's a father talking to his son. Now, God is not mentioned in these verses. But we understand that God is behind all of Scripture. And so you can hear the heart of God calling out to people to say, don't go that way. That's not the life that I've designed for you. This isn't about rules and don't do this or I'm going to kill you. No, it's about I love you and that's not what I want for you. The following verses illustrate why in some specific terms they aren't to go down that road. He talks about these evil folks. Verse 16 says this, they can't sleep unless they have done what is evil. They're robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of righteous is like the light of dawn, but shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. Look at that last part. They don't know what makes them stumble. Their sinfulness, their ungodly lives have blinded them. You realize there are lots of folks, we can get mad at them all day long. Lots of folks walking around in the world living ungodly lives, but they have been blinded to the truth. All they see is darkness. They don't even know that they're stumbling around. It's consumed them. They'll be destroyed, the Bible tells us, and they don't even see it coming. And that's what sin in an unrepentant life will do. It snowballs. It consumes. They can't get enough of it. It becomes a way of life just as normal as eating and drinking, it says. And it takes over their lives and it leads to destruction both now and forever. And the father says to his son, look, I don't want you to go down that path. Hear what I'm telling you. Son, you've got to listen. Those folks don't even see it. They don't even know they're caught up in sin. They think what they're doing is right. Son, you've been taught different than that. I want you to listen again. Hear what I'm saying. So it's obvious that this father has good reason for telling his son, don't do this. Don't go down that road. Young people, listen to me. If all you think you hear from your parents is don't do this and don't do that and don't do this, listen to the compassion. Listen to their heart. And hear the voice of God saying, Son, daughter, 
This is not the life I have for you. Listen to the authority I've placed in your life so that you won't go down this path. You won't be consumed by these and you can experience what I want for you. Parents, grandparents, we must do what this father in this particular chapter is doing. Sound the alarm, if you will. Call out what it is. Don't go down that path. In so many cases, unfortunately, we throw our children, our grandchildren out into the world and we expect them to survive when we've never told them about the consequences of sin. We've never helped them understand and see life from God's perspective and we say, well, I guess they'll just figure it out. You ever seen somebody try to figure it out? It ain't pretty. It ain't pretty at all. From music to social media to video games to texting and so much more, the door is open for ungodly and sinful influences in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. And my question to us all is, are we paying attention? Do we even know? Are you aware of what they can access and what they're being exposed to? Do you care? I believe you do. I believe every one of us would say, absolutely, I care. Yeah, I'm doing my best to pay attention. If that's the case, let me encourage you again. Do all that you can. Do your part to help them to avoid negative and ungodly influences. And let me tell you, they won't always like it. You didn't like it. Some of you, I know you think you were born grown up. I know it. You weren't. I know it's hard to accept. But you were a knucklehead once upon a time too. You were. Mark's nodding his head. He knows, yeah. Listen, not all of us were born grown up. (laughs) The truth is we were just like it. You didn't like when your parents tried to help you understand something. Your children and grandchildren won't like it either sometimes. But it's not your job to be liked. It's your job to lead. Leadership and being liked sometimes don't go together, do they? That's hard. I want my kids to like me. I mean, I really do. I like all four of my kids. I want them to like me too. There are times, however, when they don't like me too much. They don't. They'll tell you. But it's not my job to be liked. It's my job to lead. But let's not stop there. Okay, I don't want to stop with just the, don't do these, avoid these negative influences. Because here's the thing, Proverbs chapter 4 is not mostly about the father telling the son what to avoid. In fact, most of it is about what instead to fill his heart with. He's not telling him what to avoid most of the time, but what to put into his life so that he can combat the negative influences from the inside out. Look at verse 1. He says, listen, my sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. Verse 2, for I am giving you good instruction. Son, he says, I love you. I've got some important things to tell you. Listen, he says, really listen. I'm not just here to lecture. You ever had that from your folks, just a lecture? Not what this dad's doing. Don't laugh, some of you, your parents are here, All right. He's not just here to lecture. He says, this is training, this is instruction, this is discipline. These are warnings that you'll need for the rest of your life. So listen carefully, he said. Take, Take some notes, if you will. And you'll experience, you'll gain understanding and insight about life from the perspective of truth, from God's perspective. He says, son, I'm giving you good instruction. I'm not simply wanting to hear myself talk. This is usable, so let it sink in. Verse 2, he says, don't abandon my teaching. 
He says, as you grow up, now parents, listen real quick. He says, son, as you grow up, you've got to own this. Right now, my son is playing a baseball game. For some of you, that's offensive, and I apologize. I don't mean it. But you know who's not there? Me. You know who coaches him most of the time? Me. You know who helps him with his hitting? Me. You know who helps him with his pitching? Me. You know who helps him with his feeling? Me. You know who helps him pick himself up when he's having a bad game? Me. Guess who ain't there? Guess who's having to own it right now? Guess who one day will grow up and will have to own their faith, will have to own their decisions? My kids. Your kids. One of these days, I ain't going to be there. One of these days, when Lucy leaves the house, she's 12 now, when she grows up and leaves the house, she's going to be on her own and Hank and Nora and Duke will quickly follow. Guess what? One day, they're not going to be there. The father says, son, you've got to own this. Own it. Parents, coach yourself out of a job. Coach yourself right out of a job. Give them everything you have. Pour out your life for them. Spend all the time you can with them. Disciple them. Help them. Love them. Pray for them. And coach yourself right out of the job. They may not always make the decisions you want, but pour yourself out trying to help them see the Lord. Pour yourself out. Give them all you've got. Don't take a day off. Don't take a minute off. And it's not about breathing down their neck, but it's about helping them experience Jesus Because here's the thing, we grow up and we want our kids to do all kinds of great stuff. Guess what the goals we have? I want them to be a good person. I want them to be a productive citizen. I want them to stay in church. Guess what? That's a bar that's way too low. There's lots of people that go to church every Sunday and they don't no more know Jesus than a person who's lost and never been in a church. Parents going to church is great, but it's an extension of faith. It is not faith in Jesus. Understand that. I want my kids to grow up and stay in church. Good for you, but do they know Jesus? And I mean that from everything I can muster with compassion. Do they know Jesus? Because if they don't trust me, church, it ain't enough. He says, my son, you've got to own this. Listen, he says. Take notes. Internalize it. Don't abandon what you've learned. Don't leave it behind as something you simply tolerated while you lived in my house. Don't turn loose of it when you get older and figure, well, that was a phase for me. He says this is something, verse 3, it's been handed down to me. He goes on to talk about what his dad taught him. Don't abandon wisdom. She'll watch over you. Love her. She'll guard you. Wisdom is supreme. He says, so get wisdom. This is all the lessons from his dad. Whatever else you get in life, he says, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of grace on your head. She'll give you a crown of beauty. So do you hear that, son? Do you hear all that is there for those who will pursue wisdom? Of all the things that you do, of all the things you accomplish, of all the things you get in your life, wisdom is supreme. Get it at any cost, he says. Even if you must abandon some other pursuit, get wisdom. What is that? What is wisdom? What is it that the Bible tells us? Well, it certainly is not just kind of being savvy, sort of knowing how to navigate your way around being slick. Oh, he's pretty wise. He knows how to deal with those folks. Maybe there's an extension of wisdom there, but that's not the core. Wisdom from a biblical sense is a perspective on life that sees beyond the immediate, that seems, sees beyond the temporary, that seems, sees beyond all of the panic in the world, that 
that sees beyond the difficulties and it is seeing life and living life from God's perspective and eternal perspective. That's true wisdom. Seeing life and experiencing life and living life from God's perspective. That's wisdom. It's experiencing God in the midst of whatever you face. Not always knowing what to do, but always seeing things from God's perspective. And the Father here says, my dad told me, hold on to it, keep it, don't forget it, don't turn away from it, don't abandon it, love it, cherish it, embrace it, put it deep in your heart. If you listen closely to God this morning, you'll hear Him saying the very same thing. He speaks through all of Scripture and He says, hear the wisdom I'm giving you. Hear the wisdom. Receive it. The Father, of course, in verse 10, goes on to begin this negative part of the instruction. Here's what to avoid. But He's telling Him, look, you've got to embrace all of these things that wisdom offers. Avoid these things. And then He completes the instruction, verses 20-27. through Verse 20 says this, My son, pay attention to My words. Listen closely to My sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. And then verse 23, look at that one. Guard your heart above all else. Some versions say, with all diligence. For it is the source of life. For out of it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart above all else. He says keep these things within, at the center, and the most important part, not on the back burner of your heart. Now in biblical terms, the heart is a little different than what we render it today. We think of the heart and we just think of emotions. I love you with all my heart. Well, I'm just going to follow my heart. Whatever, whatever I'm feeling right then is what I'm going to do. But the heart in the Bible is so much more than that. It certainly includes the emotions, but it also includes the mind, where we think, and the decisions we make. It includes our will, what we decide that we're going to do. It includes the feelings and the emotions, but it's also the center of the moral and spiritual life. It is who you really are and everything included with it. Jesus said that out of the heart comes all the stuff of life. Even things like evil thoughts, he says, and murderous thoughts, and adultery, and he said fornication, and theft, and false witness, and slander, all those things. In other words, he said, defilement, what he called it, comes from within rather than from the outside. Isn't that interesting? We spend so much time building our barricades. Don't touch me, world. Don't touch me. I'm on God's side. Don't touch me. I'm going to get defiled. I'm going to get messed up. Don't touch me. I've got to build it higher. I've got to build it thicker. I need some more concrete and rebar. It's going to get me. And Jesus looked at the Pharisees and He says, Guys, you don't get it, do you? It's not what you even take in, but what comes out of you. That defines what's already there. Jesus said, Maybe it's not... Maybe it's not just looking to the outside, building your barricade higher and higher. Maybe the heart is the root of the problem. That's the place where God does His work. What do we say? Invite Jesus what into your heart. Do you know that's not an emotional thing? That is, Lord, take over my mind, take over my will, take over my emotions, take over my decision, take over my entire life. You prayed that prayer? That's what you asked Him to do. Not make me feel better. Not get me out of hell. Not give me a better life. But take over. That's it. That's it. We receive Jesus into our heart. That's what it is. 
And Paul said, believe in your heart. That's what he's talking about. Instruction here is huge. And it's meant to sink in. He goes on in verse 25, Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead, consider carefully the path for your feet. Then he says, verse 27, Don't turn to the right or to the left. What's the point of all of this? Why does it even matter if we avoid negative influences and gain godly wisdom? Let me roll through them quickly. You may just want to mark them as we go through. I'm going to go through in verse order. And I'm just going to show you. Why does it even matter? Look at what is repeated. When you study the Scripture, one of the great things you can figure out is what does it mean, what's it saying. Look maybe for some things that are repeated, especially in Psalms and Proverbs. You're going to find lots of that. Verse 4, keep my commandments and live. Verse 6, don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Verse 6, again, love her and she will guard you. Verse 8, cherish her and she will exalt you. Verse 8, if you embrace her, she will honor you. Verse 9, she will place a garland of grace on your head. She'll give you a crown of beauty. Verse 10, listen my son, accept my words and you will what? Live many years. I am guiding you, verse 11, on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble in verse 12. Verse 13, this is your life. Verse 22, they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Verse 26, carefully consider the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. You pick up on the patterns. There's two ways to live. The way of wisdom, the way of destruction. Life, over and over and over. Life, protection, grace, promise to those who will embrace godly wisdom. Not the good life that we think of here in the American dream. Not that but a life that's full of the fruit of God's Spirit that wells up inside of us and flows out and fills us to the degree that, you know what, even if I don't have the good life, I'm fine. A life that thrives even in a very ungodly world. Life being watched over and guarded, exalted, honored, graced, crowned, unhindered walk, not stumbling, having light and health and ways established, the Bible tells us. Hear the words of the Father here. Proverbs chapter 4, Son, listen, He says, get wisdom at all costs and you'll find life. But more importantly this morning, hear the words of the Heavenly Father behind Proverbs chapter 4. As He screams out through all Scripture, listen, folks, listen. Get wisdom and understanding. Believe in your heart the message of the Gospel. That's wisdom. And He says you will live. The main idea that I want you to get today, and I'm going to close with a little illustration. The main thing I want you to take away is this. You can't always avoid negative or ungodly influences. You can't always avoid them. But you can always build immunity against them. You you can't always avoid negative or ungodly influences. But you can always build immunity against them. Let me close with this illustration tell you something you may not know about me. About two years ago, I was helping to lead one of the leagues there at the park and just different stressful things and whatever and began to have some heart issues. And I was laying in bed one night because I I couldn't do anything else. You've been there? I just had to go lay down. And my heart was was racing, and it was weird because I hadn't been doing anything, and it was just going crazy. And and I had Nancy, I said, check my pulse here and tell me, is it not out of rhythm? There's something weird going on. 
she checks my pulse and she says, yeah, it's, it's weird. It was, it, was, it, was, it was off. She said, once you head into primary care. So I go into primary care. They do an EKG and they run all the tests and all that. And the guy looks at me and he says, I think you've had a heart attack. I said, what? He said, yeah, sometime in the past maybe. He said, I don't think just right now. He said, but sometime in the past you've had a heart attack. I thought back. I couldn't remember a time where I felt like I had been stressed out before, but I thought, well, okay. He said, we're going to wait. We'll schedule you a stress test three days from now. Three days? Man, I had a heart attack. You know, what's going on? You know? Put me in a hospital, you know? So anyway, so three days later, I go in for the stress test. And there I am all hooked up. You know, maybe some of you have done that. I'm up on the incline. I'm there about 12 minutes. Just huffing and puffing. Cardiologist looks at me. See, a heart attack. Yeah, you know. He says, here's what's going on. He says, your heart's out of rhythm just a little bit. It's taking an early beat from time to time called premature ventricular contraction. PVC. He says, really nothing to worry about. He said, it happens a lot of times. He said, maybe stressful times, whatever. Okay. He said, see what you can do to avoid stress. I thought, man, I've got four kids. Are you serious? Dude, you have no idea. So, avoid stress, okay? So, so I contemplated moving to an abandoned island somewhere, and that was, I didn't have the money for that. So, so anyway, I thought, what am I going to do? I avoid stress, you know? Okay, I'll reduce it a little bit. You know what I realized in that moment? I couldn't avoid all the stuff around me. I mean, life was still going to happen. I still had four kids. And we were just getting going on the stress. We didn't even have any teenagers. Still don't. I'm thinking, hmm. So I called my father-in-law. His name is Scott. And Scott is, is a, he's a farmer. And he's a very intelligent guy. And he knows a lot of things about the immune system. He deals with some autoimmune diseases in his family and, and himself. I said, Scott, here's what I'm dealing with. He said, let me do a little research. He calls me back. He said, here's what I figured out. He says, you've been having a lot of heartburn and indigestion, right? I said, yeah. He said, you've been taking a lot of calcium, a lot of Tums. I said, oh, yeah. But I eat those things like crazy. He said, well, here's what happens. He said, calcium absorbs magnesium. And he said, guess what your heart needs to stay in rhythm? Magnesium. He said, you've been depleting your whole system. He said, in a lot of cases, somebody who drops dead of a heart attack just like that had no magnesium at that point in their body. He said, you ought to try some magnesium supplements. Get on that and see what happens. Two months later, I had no problems. I have any sense. But do you know what I addressed instead of the outside stuff? Tried to reduce it. Tried to do what I could. I went to my heart. What does it need? What is it deficient in? Hear the message today. You can't avoid all the stuff in this world. You can try, but in order to avoid it, you're going to have to be dead. But you can allow God to do in your heart what will make it healthy, what will make it strong, what will make it resistant, what will make it focused on Him. And that's the most important work that needs to be done in the first place. So my question to you is what's in your heart? You say, I'm tired of all these negative influences. They're killing my family. Address the heart. Go to what the source is. Ask God, say, Lord, lay me open and do in me what you need to do. God, I can't avoid the stress. I can't avoid all the influences. God, you do in me. You fix me from the inside out. And then, Lord, then give me wisdom. Help me understand how to deal with all of this stuff. 
Maybe today in a spiritual sense, if you will, you need a little magnesium. The heart needs to be made right. And maybe you find yourself or your family giving in to these negative influences and you're just drifting through life. Maybe drifting from God and God says, let me, let me address your heart. That's what I needed to do. My prayer for you and for me today is that will be our prayer. Lord, deal with my heart. Spend a moment, if you would, just with whatever you need to say to the Lord this morning, however it is that you need to respond. As always, you're more than welcome to come down. We have to pray for you. Bring somebody with you. Kneel down here just to get a gift of God. Spend time in prayer. There's your view. There's a guy there. How is it that you're trying to navigate life ungodliness in this world? Is it well, I'll just avoid it? Or I'll just give in to it and be with the Or is it not doing it? That's the answer. You can't always avoid those ungodly influences, but you can't build immunity. You can't be strengthened from the inside out. Faith in Jesus, His death and resurrection of the cross, all sufficient to forgive and cleanse from every sin and give you eternal life. To believe in your heart today and spirit of God us. Jesus, make our hearts sick. Show us the path to the path of wisdom. Use that deep inside of us. We pray for the young people. Exposed to so many different things. We know that those things can't always be removed. You can always be avoided, but make them strong.